welcome to another installment of Behind the Fourth Wall, a podcast where we review movies, delve into TV shows, pop culture, and on occasion react to trailers. I'm joined today by my co-host, undisputed champion of the 2002 East Coast Beyblade Tri-Tournament, and avid bird watcher, Emmett. Welcome, Emmett. Let it rip. <laughs> Got it. Thank you. Love it. Yeah. Th- thank you for joining me. As if you're not here with me every week. <laughs> I had a choice and uh, I decided to join. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> thank you for putting your, um, you know, negative feelings <laughs> to the branches aside and hopping onto this real quick. I guess we should probably quickly go through like a quick news segment thing. Um, I only really have two points to kind of lay out here, but I thought it'd be cool to just kind of bring them up. But yeah, go uh, for it. You and I were texting back and forth, um, coming out of the uh, c- coming out of the big Super Bowl game. Um, the big it, game. The allegedly, big game. Allegedly, <laughs> I think we could say it. It's not like we're do- making any money off of this show. <laughs> <laughs> so coming out of the Super Bowl, we they aired a um, oddly enough, just quick side note. There was barely anything to kind of look at from a commercial standpoint. Yeah, um, it was a disappointing every- Super Bowl from the game standpoint. <laughs> The halftime was weird. The audio was a little off, and then the commercials were not that great. But we got a couple yeah. things and a couple that we can talk about. The trailer we're about to talk about, and for me, the amount of memes coming out of the weekend's performance <laughs> were the key highlight of this event. Yeah. Um, but the big thing that you and I were texting back and forth on was Paramount Plus, which is yeah. apparently going to be replacing CBS All Access. Uh, I don't know how much more i can take honestly like and i think i shared this with you but like i think at one point or or another the last three years i've had pretty much all the services through free trials and stuff um and ultimately i just ended up with netflix amazon prime hulu and disney plus yeah i have the same because prime you just if you're going to be using prime for deliveries that makes sense and then but there's not that much content on that one so if i if i wasn't using it for deliveries i wouldn't have that service probably and then, well, yeah, the, I did the Disney Hulu bundle as well. So, yeah, I mean, it's hard to pick and choose because if you wanted to watch a specific movie that's on, like, the Paramount Paramount group, it's annoying that you would have to sub for that because if you do every single service like that, it's going to be way more than if you just bought cable TV and just, like, caught live movies. Yeah, and, that, you know, kind of thinking on what I have at the moment, I also have AT&T um live or whatever you call it at&t tv which used to be direct tv now that was my idea of cutting the cord a couple years ago and i was paying like 35 dollars i think initially but now i'm up to paying 66 dollars with hbo max included in there (laughs) and it's like if i tally up my total i'm basically paying what i would be paying if i turned to spectrum and say hey i want my cable bundle that i quit on a couple years ago (laughs) there's not a lot of savings right now and like the more we kind of keep adding into this and i went ahead and did a quick calculation i think you're paying just about 200 dollars for all of these services combined and assuming you're you're also paying internet and you're also you know paying some sort of like live tv thing because i think most folks kind of have opt-in for one of those options i almost think this is like if they continue down this path i feel like we'll see a resurgence of like dvd sales again like building up your own personal library because like what's the point like i don't want to like i i enjoy watching just like a random movie every once in a while that just like pops back up in my brain of how much i liked it 
but I don't want to have to subscribe to a service if if that's the only way to watch it. So like just having like a a library where I can just pick and choose, I think that might be the the way to go. Yeah, it's what we had with Netflix, but I think everybody's just trying to like flex their IP muscle and just say like, oh look what we have, we have the exclusive rights to. I don't know, friends, or I don't even know if that's such an accomplishment right now. But like the, the Office being the big one, like right. NBC taking that back, like that was a huge reason to have Netflix because that, that was one of those shows where it's like, I just want to have some background noise kind of thing. And yeah, I, I think everyone is trying to flex their ownership. And I think it's like, it feels like the Cold War of, <laughs> of streaming. And like eventually... So, like push comes to shove i guess they're all just gonna like merge under someone i don't know who that's gonna be or how long that's gonna take but yeah it, it's frustrating when you want to watch one show and you realize it's under nbc only and you have to you would have to pay like ten dollars a month to watch it they're, it's gonna cave in and i don't know who it's gonna fall under i, I i'm a i'm gonna go out of out of a limb and say that um that we'll probably see Netflix come back into prominence in a couple of years once a lot of these players realize that the value of their IP doesn't necessarily justify streaming service. Um, I, I can't think of too many properties that Viacom owns off the top of my head to, to kind of warrant Paramount Plus. I mean, like, I definitely wouldn't subscribe to it for a Transformers series or a Transformers movie. Like, I, if I wanted to watch that, I'll go down to the dollar bin at Dollar General and just get myself one of those <laughs> DVDs. <laughs> so I'm good. Well, we also might see like a lot of like fake email addresses <laughs> being built <laughs> so that you can get the like one week trials. I got my army of them ready, so <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Um, second post, and I just kind of want to touch on this real quick because I feel like we brought it up on the last couple of shows a little bit. But uh, Washington Post put an op-ed piece out last week uh, dealing with the kind of like spelling out a doomsday scenario on movie theaters, um, and basically being of the opinion that in give it another three or four years and we probably won't we'll see the complete demise of the movie theater industry uh in the post-covid world i wanted to get your thoughts a little bit real quick on this i know you and i have kind of talked about this in length right but i personally am of the opinion that nothing really replaces the movie theater experience and i think i'm gonna be a little bit of an optimist and say we'll have them survive to some extent um i do think it's gonna shrink um, especially with stuff like AMC kind of going down, you know, going down the toilet, I guess, right now. But uh, where where do you think uh, we're going to be seeing the movie theater business in a couple of years? I think short term, it's going to boom back pretty big just because, like, it's a nostalgia thing. And it's also like it'll feel like an act of, like, resisting the system almost <laughs> like we this is something we haven't been able to do. Because uh, right. everyone's looking for like an activity that they've been missing out on. So I think short term, you'll see that. I don't know. Long term, I don't see movies ever like theaters ever going away because there's just the style of movies that we're in right now where it's, you know, the Transformers like movies. They just do better on like an IMAX screen or a big screen or just getting like a shared audience feel like watching Wonder Woman on uh, on Christmas weekend, like was nice because it was new but it was like it didn't feel like it would have in the theaters and i'm not saying that it would make the movie better or worse but it's just like it's a different experience that i think like true movie fans understand maybe they do need to come up with a way of and i know they've already like started exploring this but like making movie theaters more comfortable 
I don't know how they do that though, just because they're already doing like recliners and like you can add like some theaters do like where you just order food or drinks right to your seat. But I don't know, maybe there's maybe there's an element of like privacy, but still being in a group where it's like having like bathroom stall type things where you have like dividers between you and groups. I don't know. I'd love to watch a movie in the bathroom stall. <laughs> <laughs> where I watch most of my movies. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, no, I, I think that, you know, maybe we'll be seeing like tentpole event films as like the norm that kind of get shifted into theaters. But after Warner Brothers kind of opened Pandora's box with this uh, uh, push to release on HBO Max and the movie theaters at the same time, I feel like there's no coming back from that. And so now it's set this precedent of like maybe if the movie's budget is substantially high, it warrants a release in theaters. But I think we'll start to see the dwindling away of a couple of these um, films no, that you normally no, would. I, I disagree with that, though. I think the um, just like looking at Wonder Woman or looking at like that Denzel movie from last week, those are movies that would do killings in the box office and i don't think that these like big studios are willing to move away from only like chasing whatever gives them the most amount of money i think if anything it might be more like indie films go like go hbo and then select theaters as well just because that might be cheaper for them yeah i I just think that the indie films for sure i don't think we're going to see them being pushed into theaters as often as we kind of see them now like maybe some of those like I said, maybe like a conversational kind of thing. Like, and I'm only I'm spitballing here, but like the Lincoln Theater down downtown in New York, where it's this very like historic theaters. Space. Yeah, historic or small town theaters, I think will still do like one theater devoted right. to indie films. I I think that, but I think these big studios are not going to be like willing. Like, if everyone's or we have enough vaccinated people, where it's safe to go out to theaters again. I think they're going to fully, you know, just move to only theaters and then HBO, however long after or whatever platform. Yeah. I mean, if anything, maybe the window of time between home release and theater shrinks a bit, but I I still think that over the years, that's what we'll see is like, we'll see the event films kind of taken. And I'm not just saying big budget blockbuster films, but I'm saying like, if it's got, if it's a movie that has like a, um, well, I don't know why I'm blanking on famous actors here, but let's say there's like a big Harrison Ford movie or a big, um, you know, Idris Elba film. We'll definitely see those in theaters. But if it's one where they're playing, those actors are playing in a independent movie with an unknown director. I think that'll likely go to streaming versus, you know, studios. I guess uh, putting shelling out the marketing money to get them into theaters. Maybe it does come down to movie budget, but I just I just feel like like Wonder Woman only made a couple like 10 or 20 million right Right. it would have done easily a couple hundred million in theaters i could have been another studio is willing to be like well yeah we'll sacrifice 90 percent of potential earnings yeah i I guess it all depends on what happens because if if if, um if this article is right and amc goes away then i think they'll be forced to kind of accommodate that just given the fact that amc is i think if not the largest the second largest chain of theaters across the country mm-hmm. so i i guess it's it's kind of all betting on them too like if they're able to recover then great if not then who knows i'd be more interested to see what they do with like their membership stuff because uh, it was pretty expensive yeah. when times were good so right i'd be interested to see it like can they throw in other perks into it i mean it was pretty good about getting 
ref- like free refreshments or whatever uh, for a certain amount of movies you see. So I don't know how much more they can give or, or how much more they can drop the price, but I'd be interested to see how that gets impacted because I'm sure that's going to stay around. Yeah, I'm hoping it does. We'll we'll see. I, I still haven't canceled my subscription to it. I haven't been charged for it, but I'm still kind of optimistic that I'll be able to go see a movie every month at some point in the future. I'm not even going to put a time frame on it, but you know, we'll see what happens. All right, so let, let's let's get into this trailer because um, I for one am excited <laughs> to get into it and talk about it a little bit. But yeah, you for one. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well. Thank you for adding in some of the time codes on here. I kind of went in there and just kind of spilled all my thoughts last night. And I was like, all right, well, <laughs> I'll see some way of making sense out of all this. But yeah, for, for those who haven't seen it, there was a Falcon and Winter Soldier trailer that dropped during the Super Bowl. A little less than two minutes long, I think, right? Or just over two minutes. Uh, just over. Pretty, pretty eventful trailer. We're not going to break down every single moment of it or Easter egg in it, but we'll just talk about some of the major moments in the trailer that caught our eye and then maybe a couple predictions at the end of it all right so should i just go linearly on this or should we just kind of yeah i mean talk about whatever you want i mean yeah it, it began obviously with like bucky and and sam uh in some sort of therapy but then it immediately goes into some action shots another airplane drop i think the kind of customary marvel thing right like who did it tony did it cap did it now Falcon's doing it, <laughs> jumping off Hulk, a plane. Hulk did it. Oh yeah, Hulk did it. Pretty much everybody in the MCU has done it at this point. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we we start off there. Seemingly, it looks like we're we see a couple shots, a uh, futuristic kind of New York City looking um, zone. Uh, obviously, this is going to follow Bucky and Sam. Uh, maybe they're not on the run from the government anymore. After Civil War, I and mean, just judging from the plane scene, and given the fact that uh, you know they seem to kind of be a little bit more well equipped, maybe they found some sort of pardon after the whole Civil War issue. I mean, they got it right. So yeah, we lost. We last saw them in Infinity War when they were they were both victims of the snap, but I guess they weren't on great terms with the Secretary of State. They were still on the run from the events of Civil War. So yeah. I mean, they must have a better relationship with some organization, whether it's the, it might be the, the foundations of S.W.O.R.D. or, I don't know. It's it's some sort of military funding, though, because it has the military military transport planes. Yeah, they must have gotten some sort of pardon, uh, which then we get into a shot at about 26 seconds into the trailer. What looks to be... Uh, making his return also from Civil War, uh, Baron Zemo. Uh, but this time, it looks like he's got, he's gripping onto his iconic uh, purple mask from the comic books. So I guess mm-hmm. he somehow freed himself from prison, or maybe was blipped back as a free man. Who knows? But um, he has a line that kind of says superheroes cannot be allowed to exist, um, and he has no intent of leaving his work unfinished. Um so it sets him up as a main antagonist for it and does seem to kind of indicate that he's still got a grudge against the the Avengers or I guess superheroes in general. Heroes in general. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have to assume that he was blipped away uh, the same as Sam and Bucky only because we, it would be weird that he wouldn't have taken any action against 
heroes for letting the world down again after the events of Infinity War, but now is finally taking action. So I have to assume that he was like blipped away, then came back, and then now he's upset that like heroes are just everything they do messes with the regular people's lives. And I almost kind of see the guy's point. Like, <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't go to the extent <laughs> that he has, but I mean, his family was destroyed in the events of Sokovia. He, um, and then he sees like, you know, lives are ruined because they, you know, they kind of like stirred the pot and, you know, pushed Thanos to, uh, finishing his mission of, of collecting the stones and snapping away life and then the ripple effects of what happened afterwards. I mean, look at uh, in WandaVision, like Monica not getting to say goodbye to her mother because the heroes failed in Infinity War and then coming back and now having to deal with that tragedy, you know? That is such an interesting perspective, too, because, you know, I didn't really think about this all that much, but the the blip, the return of all these people was treated kind of like in the way a teenager would treat it in far from home like as a joke <laughs> you know, it was yeah. um so much so that like if you rewind the episode of wandavision where you see monica return and the chaos in the hospital it's almost kind of horrifying to see all of that kind of play into effect and and tying into real world it kind of gives me that you know full hospital covid19 kind of situation yeah i mean like look at in endgame in the beginning of endgame when they're having group therapy sessions about moving on from losing their loved ones some of some people have moved on and like have found other lives so if your significant other gets returned after five years and you've already moved on that is devastating like what do you do with your life like yeah yeah the heroes are there to you know save the day but not really save the lives kind of a thing right that'd be a pretty awkward thing if you like moved on from your presumably dead wife and she comes home only to find you with another wife what do you do then unless you're the science teacher from (laughs) uh, peter parker's school did i tell you about my wife pretending to blip out (laughs) damn the that's so i i can see how this series can maybe make you feel bad for the villain it's one of those times like there was moments in Infinity War or Endgame where you kind of felt bad for Thanos. Not right. terribly bad for him, but I think uh, I think they might accomplish that in this series. Well, I feel like Zemo was always a sympathetic villain because he kind of ended up proving Tony's point in Civil War. Right. Like yeah. the 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 whole like there has to be accountability. There has to be, you know, you have to measure it in that perspective because he, he was right. Ultimately um and he he was successful and like i'll I'll go from that like i feel like you and i are kind of on the same page that he wasn't the most interesting villain but he definitely was maybe the most effective that they've had aside from thanos because he he did ultimately get them to break up (laughs) get the avengers to break up i mean yeah he got them to break up and he got them to like some of them to be branded as criminals yeah he 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 did to them what uh what john john lennon did to the beatles so (laughs) There you go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but one, th- so, you know, moving <laughs> forward in, in the trailer, uh, we see a couple of folks, uh, in particular, a a woman played by Aaron Kellyman, who actually played Enfys Nest in the solo. Uh, solo I thought the, she looked familiar. Solo. Yeah, Three she immediately caught my attention because I was like, oh, damn. But her, her group seems to be donning some sort of, like, black mask with a red handprint on it. 
which is a symbol associated with the character called the Flag Smasher <laughs> in in Marvel Comics. Not Sauron. No, not Sauron. Unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> this isn't the face of Sauron or the messenger of Sauron. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it seems like there's some sort of like um, group that's, you know, you can even call it like a domestic terrorist group, seemingly because they seem to be hijacking a a truck in the sequence that we see. Um, but traditionally, the Flag Smasher character in the comics is one man. It's a guy that's very anti-government, very they they always label him anti-patriotic. So his, his whole mission is to dismantle governments. So to see that role turned into a little bit of an organization is kind of an interesting take. And uh, it just had to be questioned, like showing them, having them pop up right after um, introducing Zemo in the trailer. Is is he leading the the charge for them, or are they maybe crossing paths as, as a result of this group? You know, interesting to see because if he did, he did blip and come back. Then maybe he's not the leader of it, but maybe he has spent the last five years forming this uh, resistance group. That yeah, that could that could obviously be a um, potential thread there to follow. If he didn't get blipped away, maybe he's had time to organize. I'm for I'm sure there are other people that have similar thoughts about heroes as him. So I'm sure he's like formed a group. Maybe he's found you know people from the Lagos incident or New York or anywhere from where the Avengers fight. Yeah. He's recruiting people from anywhere. They left their destructive pant prints all over. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. Give me the guy um, from like from London. That's traumatized from these Mysterio hallucinations from far from home. Like I want to see that guy be part of this group. Oh my God. There's yeah, there's gotta be some London people, but this should be (laughs) right around London timing. Right. Yeah, so I I read up this article where it says that all these shows, in particular, by all these shows I mean like WandaVision, the upcoming Loki series, and this show, are supposed to all take place around the same time. So I yeah. think all of this is lining up close to the Far From Home timeline, which is what twenty twenty three. Um, yeah, I the just end of summer. There's no indication in the, tra- in the trailer that it's necessarily going to be impacted by the events in WandaVision, but obviously if it is, we're probably not going to see any of that until the end, like close to the end credits of the last episode. So so then around moving forward in the trailer, around 47 seconds, it looks like Sam and Bucky are training with Cap, Captain America S.H.I.E.L.D., and we know at the end of Endgame, old man Captain America gave Sam the shield and said that it would be his. But we've seen in the past that Bucky like knows how to throw it with a bit more power. <laughs> yeah, I feel like... So in the comics, it's Bucky that takes the mantle of Captain America after Captain America's death. Right. So it's definitely... like This is definitely a departure from that. It's Falcon taking it. In the comics, Falcon also becomes Captain America, but not until... After Bucky has had a turn, and then original Captain America comes back, and then comics are so convoluted. But basically, um, both of them have the have at some point wielded the shield. So it was kind of cool to see a little bit of a intercut scene there where they're both training with the shield. Pass the shield, please. <laughs> <laughs> I say they should both be Captain Americas. Like Captain America is not no longer just like a one person thing. Yeah, just break it like in a, half. Let each of them have a half. (laughs) Share it. (laughs) 
And then what do we got upcoming? So oh, we we at fifty five seconds we get a oh it's not fifty nine seconds we get a cameo from Sharon Carter who is making an appearance yet again from I think Civil War was the last time we saw her. Yeah, so it, it was nice to see her back into play. I I particularly like the actress Emily Van Camp. I think she's she's always done a pretty good job. I think she's always been underutilized in her MCU appearances. Like they, they kind of played it as the secondary love interest to captain america which maybe wasn't the most <laughs> the best use of her character ultimately once you get to the end of endgame right it i think it was like something missing from cap's life and i think that was a moment where he could have saw himself maybe yeah stopping the fight and, and just seeking out having a life so i think there was like a momentary thread there but i've always thought she kind of was used just enough. She kind of reminded me of like an Agent Hill from uh, who was, uh, or no, a real name, Robin Shabatsky from <laughs> How I Met Your Mother. <laughs> uh, I always saw her like as in the same role, kind of just like an intelligent spy that gets just a few speaking lines. Yeah, her and Maria Hill are two characters that in the comics have like a, a very expanded role than what they played in the MCU. But they definitely took both characters in different directions than than what we see in, in the comics. So I, I wonder if they're bringing some of that element back with with this particular show. Yeah, it looks she looks pretty badass. Like she's she's taken on a whole gang of uh, of fighters. So in hand to hand combat. So I mean. It'll be interesting to see how they use her. I I think uh, I forget where she ended up at the end of. I, I think she worked for the CIA after Shield kind of broke apart in Captain America too. I think so. Either the CIA or the FBI, one of those. It was like uh, it was overseas. She was like the head of like the Berlin section or something like that. That's why she was on the scene when uh, the UN was bombed in Civil War. With uh, what's his name from Black Panther, right? Um everett ross i think the the agent that ended up crossing over he's fbi okay oh, no he's ci oh gosh yeah <laughs> what's the difference <laughs> some federal he, thing yeah i don't know if they always work together but he took over the case when they actually caught bucky i wonder if he makes an appearance in this that'd be interesting yeah i was about to say he's the guy that um basically imprisoned baron zemo so maybe We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. It, it's, this seems like a Civil War reunion, the show. So, <laughs> A little bit, yeah. Well, that's where the, these two characters kind of were had their biggest moments. So it, yeah. it makes sense. And uh, moving on from it, at, minute, at a minute and seven seconds, we get what I think is the most interesting shot of the trailer, which is a very kind of football-heavy um, or, you know, oddly enough, we're, we're, you know, this gets released on... on Super Bowl night. Um, it looks like, game. yeah, the big game. <laughs> this allegedly. looks like allegedly. allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently, um, somebody wearing the Captain America uh, costume and shield coming into the field, and uh, maybe it's like a halftime show kind of thing or something. But it's a football game. The Captain America lookalike comes out, um, and so every article that I read up on is saying that this is the. MCU debut of a Marvel character called U.S. Agent. His inclusion in this kind of leads me to believe that this show is going to touch on the whole who's going to inherit the mantle of Captain America. 
Um, in the comics, U.S. agent is kind of the government's answer to replacing Captain America when he's become subordinate and just doesn't want to obey <laughs> or be like pretty much the, uh, the the hound dog of the U.S. government. Mm. So it's an interesting he's an interesting character to include here. And I'm assuming maybe one of the antagonists of the show. Is he like a Homelander type? Of, like he's secretly bad? Or yeah. I don't know anything about this guy. I personally just, when I was watching it, I thought this was like a halftime show. Like a team had made Captain America their mascot or something like that. No, so he's actually played, um, I forget who the actor was. It was, it was it's some actor of prominence where like, uh, he's like the son of some major action star. It's not, I don't know why it's not coming to me at the moment, but maybe it's Scott Eastwood. Is that what I'm thinking about? I don't know. I'll, <laughs> I'll probably have to revisit this in a bit, but um, he, he's, he is definitely playing um, U.S. agent, and that is meant to be exactly who we think it is. So I got to think that we're going to get some sort of adaptation of the storyline, more recent storyline of the comics of having Falcon take on the role of Captain America. Which is then Wyatt, is it Wyatt Russell? Is it Wyatt Russell? It's got to be that then. Yeah, it's probably. Hang on, let me double check here. I mean, I'm on a wiki page, so we know how true that is. And you're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> it's the MCU fandom wiki page, so you know. Hundred <laughs> percent. I'm a, I'm, I'm a moderator on that, so that's the guy. That'd be it. Kurt. <laughs> that'd be Kurt Russell's son then. It. I think it is Kurt Russell's son. That's yep. interesting. Yep, he's playing John Walker, the U.S. agent. So, so he's like the son of a god, a little G. There you go. <laughs> Ego. Ego, the living planet. Uh, <laughs> okay, so yeah. then that's a, that's another potential threat for taking the shield. Um, do you care who ends up being the next Captain America? I only care about who's the next uh, Iron Man. You're not gonna <laughs> like that answer, but <laughs> so you're yes. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, an Iron Man? Um, not in particular, because I feel like Iron Man, you have a lot of routes to kind of go through also, but I feel like I'm going to be more disappointed in who's the next Iron Man than I am in who's the next Captain America. Mm. I feel like it's like Peter Parker set up to be the next Iron Man. You think so? I think it, yeah, I mean, just looking at their traits, you know, Captain America is more of the blunt instrument and then iron man was more of the like you know organize the group not just fund them but also like come up with the inventions to make them better and i feel like that's peter's thing right he's he's much smarter than everyone yeah you're talking about like natural in terms of like the the type of role that they played and not necessarily like the mantle yeah i think so yeah, I, th- I think you're. I think you're on to that. I think Spider-Man is going to become the the next Iron Man or the lead character in the in the MCU. Because I feel yeah, like he, you can break it down all you want, right? But like, I feel like Iron Man was the the heart and soul of of these movies. Um, Cap was to some extent too, but I feel like they they really went all out with Tony's arc, and so I feel like that's the MCU is at the base. It's his. So yeah, Iron Man was because he didn't want to be the. The, like the <clears throat> responsibility point but if you look at each avengers movie he's all like in every single one of them he's willing to you know to quote captain america like make the sacrifice play like in the first one he he diverts the nuke to space in the second one he uh is willing to like be the one who blows up sokovia <clears throat> and then in the third in the third one obviously he is willing to 
snap for everyone. So like he was the leader because he didn't want it, but he always diverted like the big speech to Captain America. I feel like it's also this thing of like Tony went from a very ignorant rich guy <laughs> to to becoming like the the guy that very much embraced who he really was, which was the the whole um the whole buildup I guess t- towards towards Endgame was that was like he became this guy that's very contrary to what he was kind of starting to become as like the seller of, of a manufacturer of weapons from 119 to 130 we get a pretty good fight sequence in traffic uh i mean i think that's a perfect illustrator illustration of what the show is going to be it's just going to be banter between these two characters and and pretty quick humor that we got a taste for it of it in civil war where um you know like when they were in the beetle together the car and they're like, can you move your seat? No. Like, it's just like going to be quick little, like, subtle jokes or sarcastic jokes. Yeah, I think that's going to be the bulk of, the, of this show. Um, and ultimately, I do I do think we're going to end up with uh, Falcon becoming the, the next Captain America. Just like, just because that's what Steve seemed to want at the end of Endgame. So, yeah, I, I agree with that, too. I am. I mean, I'm excited to see the build up to that. Like, I know, I know you and I kind of start on, on on opposite sides in terms of like our excitement for for this. But I, I do feel like the um, the journey of Falcon becoming Captain America in the comics was very. Um, it was very interesting to see. I liked his time as Captain America in, in the comics, um, and they and they kind of tackled some heavy subject matter with it, like race race issues in America and all these other things. So. If the series kind of delves into that direction and, and explores some of those elements, I'll be happy with it. Um, or if it's just a fun political thriller kind of thing, I think I'll be satisfied with it too. I just hope that the character moments are worth the at six or seven episodes that this thing is supposed to be. Um, and so far, the, the trailer looks it, like it piqued my interest. I didn't really have all that much interest in this before, but uh, looking at this, I thought was 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 really good. And it kind of showed that this seems to be to me like the, your basic um, Marvel formulaic show, so I'm excited. If anything, just for the return of that, just to kind of see a straightforward Marvel, uh, the closest thing that we could get to a Marvel feature until Black Widow's released. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I think I am. I will be excited for this. I think it's just you know we were talking about this offline. It just feels like we're we don't get a chance to breathe. It just feels like they're constantly you know, splashing water in our face <laughs> uh, and yeah. we're and we're treading water in the deep end. And we're just like, can we just have a second to enjoy WandaVision? But as soon as this one ends, as soon as WandaVision ends, this show begins. And then as soon as that one ends, it's the it's Loki and then it's Black Widow coming out. And then it's I think there's other shows and other and when tie this all in with them also releasing all like Star Wars stuff. It feels like there's a there's too much to do and it's like coming off of a year where we had nothing and it's like guys you gotta you gotta pace yourself yeah i feel like i'm i'm of a torn mind on this i get what you mean and i also to a certain extent i feel the same way uh but because we really had nothing last year i feel like this year is kind of making up for it at the same time and this is kind of going off a little bit off topic a little bit but if um you know you know god god willing <laughs> the vaccine rollout ends up being very successful and we're able to go out and do other stuff i definitely will want to have time to watch these shows but also go out and do other things 
um, again, knock on wood, right? Hopefully everything kind of goes well on that front. But um, yeah, like there, you have to start asking yourself at some point, like how much content is maybe too much content. And it's all coming from Disney. <laughs> like you have you can control release schedules and you made a point offline too, that it's like, you owe money to investors and to production crews and to everything. So they like, they have to just put their product out there as soon as it's ready. But they, they set the precedent of being willing to push things back when they said, okay, black widow isn't coming out when it's supposed to and just continue to push it back. But they're not willing to do that for anything else. So either they really don't like Scarlett Johansson's movie or they, uh, I don't know. They're not willing to budge on other things. So apparently, um, and not to kind of get too sidetracked on it, but like what I did find out about Black Widow was that apparently there are, there's a clause in Scarlett Johansson's contract about having to consider royalties based off of um, initial box office performance. So that clause in her contract makes it impossible for them to completely dismiss the theater release, which is why they weren't able to do the Disney Plus release last year. But if I'm if I'm understanding the internal stuff better, um, it seems like the likelihood is that May will probably see a HBO Max kind of release where you'll see it come out on Disney Plus and release in theaters to kind of satisfy the contract, but also not keep pushing this back. Because like, I'm telling you, man, I'm going to be pissed if they if, if come May, they're like, hey, we're going to push this movie back to July. <laughs> and then we start this race all over again. Uh, legalese. I know it's a lot of it's a lot of jargon that's more boring than anything, and hopefully they resolve those for future movies. Because I mean, come on, like the the, the potential pandemics in the future are now a thing we have to consider. That's crazy. Um, what about predictions? Uh, anything you're guessing for for this show? Um, Ant Man? Question mark. <laughs> Man, you can't just read my points and then call them <laughs> off as yours. <laughs> No, okay, so I, I only have one. <laughs> Do you want me to go first then? <laughs> yeah, actually, you know what? You go. Give us your very eloquent point first. Uh, I won't read it word for word. <laughs> no, uh, Ivan knows this, that I've always been an anti-Captain America guy, so I almost don't care about this show just because it continues his plot line. Uh, but I feel like this show will get different cameos in here uh, in the same way that, you know, we're obviously recording this halfway through WandaVision, so my leading guess is that uh, Doctor Strange is going to appear there. And if all of these uh, movies and shows of Phase 4 are supposed to tie together, it's all supposed to come, like, intersect at the multiverse, and it's supposed to be, you know, quantum, whatever. So I feel like uh, we'll see Doctor Strange in WandaVision, We'll get Ant-Man in here that preps them both for their movies that are eventually slated to come out. So I feel like that'll be one cameo we'll get. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw uh, Captain America, uh, Chris Evans, whether it be like a flashback to him being young or if we see him in the old makeup again. Uh, So I feel like this is going to be, honestly, I have no clue what to predict as far as plot goes. Um, my only guess there is that like Zemo's built a an agency or a crew of people who feel like they've been wronged, and they're you're just gonna get a bunch of different plot twists. And I think the only other thing I could guess is that like Falcon's probably just gonna feel these like constant you know 
sense of like insecurity of not being worthy for the shield. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of routes that I feel like they could take with it. Um, like my favorite option, I think, is Baron Zemo gathers all the victims of all these tragedies related to the Avengers and just files a class action lawsuit. And so we follow like a court. <laughs> them in paperwork. Yeah. <laughs> so this becomes like a, a a court drama like halfway through the season. <laughs> yeah. Um. No, but I I think that you know. Truth be told, and this is similar to my whole Young Avengers spiel um, when it comes to talking about WandaVision, but I feel like they're setting up the Thunderbolts here, which um, is going to be pretty cool to kind of, if they really go this route, um, I'll be interested to see how they kind of do that. But given the schedule of the Disney Plus shows that are coming out, it seems like we are heading into Thunderbolts territory. Yeah, and Um, then just, you know, just for the fans out there that, you know, might not be as smart as both of us and, and don't know what Thunderbolt <laughs> is, you know, just, you know, for those people out there, what, what, are, what, who are the Thunderbolts for the non nerds out there? Um, <laughs> um, the Thunderbolts are basically a Marvel's version of the suicide squad, um, from DC. So basically picture Ooh. the government controlling villains and kind of making them do whatever they want, turning them into like a, a, a hero group. The difference is I feel like the, the, the the whole role of the Thunderbolts in the comics was to replace the Avengers after, um, you know, God, a whole bunch of times they've done this. But <laughs> anytime that the Avengers have done something controversial, the, the government will then fund the Thunderbolts and have them replace it. And it varies. Sometimes you get stuff like, uh, like Norman Osborn replacing everybody and forming what fans call the Dark Avengers. So basically, like, taking somebody like Venom and having him be spider-man or taking someone like bullseye and saying that's that's now the new hawkeye um because they've they've done that and it'd be an interesting kind of twist but the thunderbolts i feel like they're going to do the more the more modern take on it which is basically just introducing a whole bunch of villains and having them at force do good but so would that be zemo or are you saying somebody else so in the comics is it's general ross who is the primary antagonist of the Hulk and who we've seen as secretary Ross in civil war. Um, and incredible Hulk. I always forget that movie's part. Yeah, of he was in the, yeah, he was in that. So in the comics, he tries to revive the super soldier program, basically to create his own captain America, which is kind of the plot of, of incredible Hulk. If, if memory yeah. serves right. Um, but he basically ends up combining that with something, something to do with the Hulk's blood. And he ends up turning into the red Hulk in the comics. Um, but he forms his own team uh, of all these villains. And the reason why I'm like very, I'm thinking that this is the route they're going to go. They've introduced uh, Yelena Belova, which was supposed to be the second version of Black Widow in the comics. In the Black Widow movie, that's the that's the uh, character played by Florence Pugh. Um, then, obviously, that movie, that movie's multiple trailers at this point <laughs> have uh, introduced Taskmaster, who's another prominent member of the Thunderbolts. The fact that you have Ross himself in it, I feel like we are heading into Red Hulk territory because we're getting a She-Hulk show in, in a couple of uh, in a couple of years or a year. I don't even know what the timeline is for that. But yeah, so it seems like we're setting up members of that team. And oh, we got Deadpool coming up in Deadpool 2 and supposed to take place in the MCU. He's also a prominent member of the group. So I feel like we're building to that. And that's that's my only kind of prediction or takeaway for like where this show kind of projects us to in the future of the MCU. Yeah, I won't say you're wrong because obviously I have no 
inside information or idea, but you always do this. You always get so excited with like, <laughs> like different ways of introducing the X-Men or different like groups or organizations that were in the comics that the are like X-Men very are not known. Uh, yeah, they are. But like, you always get so like, you've called them coming in like 10 different times that like, coming. I think this show is like, if it's only six or seven episodes, I think it's almost just to let these two characters develop and maybe make one small introduction or have like a couple small like fan uh, recognitions, like seeing a Darcy or like an Agent Wu in uh, in WandaVision, you know? Yeah, well, what I'm saying is like, I don't think it's, it's going to set them up like 100% by the end of this show. We're going to have like the team starting to build up, but I feel like they're introducing these characters for that reason. Only because like Kevin Feige plays a long game, and that's how he's kind of built all of this up. Like, even going back to like Iron Man one, he set the groundwork for establishing the whole Avengers um, series. So every phase has its a, a, like a long term plan, and I feel like I don't know where exactly he's taking this, but it it just seems like no characters introduced for you know just to kind of be used as a one off. No, I would I do agree with that. Um, whether they're going to be used in some small role later on or if they're uh, if it's something bigger but yeah I think this is a pretty good place to end yeah let us know your thoughts on the you know on the trailer or or what your thoughts are on anticipation for the show or if you have any predictions uh, you can hit us up on Twitter at BT fourth wall for being 4th let us know when the X-Men are coming in your opinion <laughs> <laughs> they're coming they're all right around the corner. Just wait. Just give it another show or two. I do agree. Well, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.